excited to talk today about the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And what I want to talk about is, why is it so important? What does it really mean? Why do we make such a big deal about the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead? And I have to say, as a younger Christian, I, I didn't quite get this, I don't think. Um, I've, I've always sort of, I think even from a pretty younger age, like teenage years, I got the cross. I get that. I get that we need a sacrifice for our sin. We need someone to die in our place. I sort of saw the resurrection as a tack on at the end. Well, of course, he triumphs over death and he gets up at the end. But why is that the center then? Why is that the most important thing? In one sense, you could say, well, Jesus didn't Jesus raise a, a handful of people during his own life from the dead? This Lazarus, Jairus' daughter, and maybe lesser known, but the son of the widow of Nain. But there's something different here about Jesus' death. See, they were brought back to life again, a sort of reanimation. They, were, they came back from the dead to die again in time. But Jesus' resurrection is something different. He comes in a resurrected body that is incorruptible, that is immortal, never to die again. Why does this matter so much? Why do we base our entire Christian faith on this event? Tim Keller, a pastor in New York City, says, If Jesus rose from the dead, then you have to accept all that he said. If he didn't rise from the dead, then why worry about any of what he said? The issue on which everything hangs is not whether or not you like his teaching, but whether or not he rose from the dead. Or the Apostle Paul from the Scriptures, 1 Corinthians 15, And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain, and your faith is in vain. Everything hinges on whether or not Jesus really did walk out of that tomb on Sunday morning. Look with me. At Matthew 28, verses 1 through 10. Matthew 28, verses 1 through 10. As we look at the account of Jesus' resurrection and ask the question, what does it actually mean? Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the woman, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen, as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word this morning. You can see where we're going here. First, his resurrection means his life is victorious. We see that in 1 through 6. 
His resurrection means we have work to do, verse 7. And then finally, his resurrection means he's still alive. He's still living today. But look at this first section. The women are the first to find out. After a week of a horrendous, tragic crushing end to his life, and really an end to his three years of phenomenal ministry, of large crowds being gathered, people's lives being transformed and changed, he comes to a tragic end and dies an excruciating death of capital punishment by the Roman Empire. After going through a mock, horribly, uh, not not a mock trial, but a, a kangaroo court trial, left alone and abandoned by his disciples, and dying by breathing his last breath on the cross. But then we see, on the Sabbath, after the Sabbath, on the first day of the week, which is Sunday morning, bright and early, two Marys show up. We learn it's actually a larger group than that, but we're only told about the two Marys here. Also, a, a woman by the name of Joanna and a woman by the name of Salome go to the tomb with no expectation but to anoint the body. And as they arrive there, an earthquake happens. The ground begins to shake. An angel descends. And the stone, which is these large, heavy stones that were rolled in front of these uh, tombs cut out of rock, is rolled away. And sitting on that stone is an angel. Why sitting? Because it's like sitting over a battlefield in victory. It's not Jesus who is dead, but the soldiers who become like dead men in comparison. His appearance is like lightning. His clothes are white, white as snow, representing purity, goodness, and otherworldliness. And there is great fear in all who see it. See, the point here is Jesus' life ends in victory. It doesn't end in tragedy. You can never end the story of the life of Jesus at the cross. We serve, yes, a crucified Savior, but more than that, a risen Savior. The symbol of the Christian life is not a crucifix. The symbol of the Christian life is an empty tomb. In three days, Jesus walked out of that very tomb. And the women, of all people, get to celebrate it first. And I'll say what I mean by of all people. Um, They're the ones who were there at his burial. They were faithful to him. And friends, in that day and in that time, uh, it was countercultural to have women as witnesses. In fact, the sort of culture of that day in the first century is that a woman's testimony would not be considered a valid testimony in a court of law. And yet here's Jesus doing what he always does right here in his resurrection and raising up whom the culture would see as the least of these. It's a validation of his entire life and ministry. In Romans chapter 1 verse 4 it says, Jesus was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the Spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead. When we see the cross it looks like defeat, but it's not. Ultimately it is victory. That all that Jesus taught, all of his miracles, his acts of love and his kindness, his calling upon us to love our neighbor, all of it is true. Because it ends in victory. Friends, just as application here, before we move on here, be a confident Christian. (laughs) Understand that the Christian life is ultimately one of victory. 
When we look at history, this is exactly what we see. It's been said there's a sort of resurrection-shaped puzzle piece in history. The disciples went from a scared, cowardly group of of men locked in a room, afraid of everything, to a courageous group willing to proclaim the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to anyone and everyone they saw and were willing to even go to the grave, even to die for it. Where did that courage and that confidence come from? It came from a realization that Jesus is indeed risen and all that he promised is true. Because of the resurrection, we read the Bible as the word of God. That's the way Jesus himself saw it as well. We read the Gospels as authoritative. Yes, they're filled with miracles, but that's God intervening in his story. We read church history as God's faithfulness to his people over literally thousands of years. And friends, we live the Christian life knowing this is the real deal. The world has had 2,000 years to prove it to be false and has failed. (laughs) He has risen from the dead. It ends in victory for us as well. If Jesus is risen and he's the first fruits of the resurrection to come, that final day, then that's where we're headed. I don't know how many more days, how many more years, how many more decades or maybe even centuries it is, But the day is coming, and it's limited, when we will one day rise and be with him. That day was sealed and made certain the very moment Jesus walked out of that tomb. We live, friends, knowing that Jesus' life is victorious, and that those who follow him will end in victory. But verse 7, we see there's also a job for us to do. Not only is the Christian life one of victory, but Jesus gives us a job to do. Uh, The angel tells the women, go quickly. So don't waste any time. There's there's a certain urgency to this. There's a certain haste to this. And go tell his disciples that he's risen from the dead. In other words, go be messengers. (laughs) I've given you a message. It's very important. You need to hurry up and get that message out there. And tell them that he's going up to Galilee and that's where you will meet him. That's the northern region of Israel. And he ends by saying, see, the angel says, see, I have told you. I've given you this job to do. Go ahead and get to it. Get moving with it. Uh, There's work to do. So not only, yes, he is risen and we rejoice, but that doesn't mean we just sit tight and just wait for the day in which we will be resurrected as well. There's a calling to go be messengers of this awesome good news and to do it with haste, to speak up, to tell people, that he is risen. Uh, Why go back to Galilee? Not exactly sure, but most of Jesus' ministry took place in that northern region. Remember, they were sort of the nobodies in Israel compared to everything that happened in the south, in Jerusalem, in the big city. That's where the temple was. That's where all the chief priests were. But I have a working theory, and it's only that, as to why he says, go meet him in Galilee. All of his disciples were Galilean. That's where their families were. That's where their close neighbors were. That's where their childhood friends are. And perhaps they get first dibs in hearing the gospel. Friends, the same is true of us. If Jesus is risen, and he is, and we're still here, then we have work to do. 
There's a job for us. He didn't beam you up yet. (laughs) So if you're still here and you're awaiting that final day of resurrection or the day we pass on from this world and enter into his presence, he's got a job. Go be an ambassador, a messenger, an evangelist, a proclaimer, a sharer, a goer. Tell your family. Tell your neighbors. Tell your friends. Tell your coworkers. Don't let them miss out that Christ is risen, that sin has been conquered, that death in the end will be no more. That there's more to this life than sleeping, getting up, showering, brushing your teeth, working nine to five, watching some TV and doing it all over again the next day. And then go to the nations. And the next section, which we didn't read here, is the Great Commission. So as they gather together in Galilee, Jesus says, Basically, go to Jerusalem, wait there, you'll receive the Holy Spirit, and then you'll begin to spread the gospel to the ends of the earth. That in a sense, friends, history's clock is ticking. Every moment that goes by draws us closer to the day that Christ comes back. Five seconds closer, right there. (laughs) Every second the clock ticks. And until that time, our job is to make the nations aware of what Christ has done. If Jesus is risen from the dead, it means his life is true. If Jesus is risen from the dead, it means we have a job to do. And in 8 to 10, Jesus' resurrection means he is still living today. He's still living today. He's still alive. They depart from the tomb with fear and joy. It's a weird mix, right? You're afraid, terrified actually, and full of joy. But when you think about it, fear and joy only come together on the most important events in our life. Maybe when you're ready to walk down that aisle (laughs) and commit yourself to another person for the rest of your life. Maybe when you're sitting there waiting for your first child or second child or any of your children to come out of the womb into this world. There is fear And there is joy. Only those most important events are filled with those two emotions together. And the women here ran uh, quickly. They're not wasting any time to fulfill what God has told, what the angel, what God has through the angel told them to do. And they go and tell the disciples. But along the way, they have an interruption. Jesus himself. You didn't think it was just going to be the angel, right? Jesus himself meets them along the way and says, Greetings. He is alive and standing before them. They grab his feet, which is in humility. They don't feel, in a sense, worthy to just give him a big hug. They go down to his feet and grab his feet, and they worship him. And Jesus' response to them is, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. But go and tell the disciples, and go tell them I'll meet them in Galilee. Just looking closer briefly at this section here, notice Jesus basically says the same thing that the angel said. But usually when you really strongly want to emphasize something, you have a messenger. You have a herald that goes before you. Of course, in Jesus' whole life, he had John the Baptist. Here the forerunner is an angel who prefaces the same command that Jesus gives himself. Notice they grab his feet, which means if you can grab Jesus, he's not a ghost. This is not just a spiritual idea, a hallucination, and uh, that they saw what they wanted to see, an apparition, a hallucination. There is a physical risen body 
in front of them, as physical as this pulpit is in front of me, and they grab him. They worship him. You know, in the Bible, if you fall down and worship a person or an angel, and if they're a godly person, they refuse it. (laughs) Don't worship me. Worship God. I don't don't deserve to be worshipped. No one should be worshipped except God alone. And yet here Jesus, the eternal Son of God, receives that worship. See, friends, we see the actual risen Jesus. If it were just the angel, maybe we would have been skeptical. We could say the woman just wanted to see what they wanted to see. But no, Jesus in person appears. He is with them. Jesus is alive today. In fact, if you go to Jerusalem, you can go to one of the two or both two of the two locations that we believe uh, Jesus was buried. Here's one of them. I have a picture. This is called the Garden Tomb. Um, there's a strong evidence that that may have been the actual tomb that Jesus was laid in. The other one, of course, is the uh, one that's sort of got a church built over it. And um, it's got people constantly going in and out of it. But as I began to sort of go into the tomb and see it and think about it, I realized he was only here for three days anyway. <laughs> it was just a short, brief moment that he was actually in that tomb and then out of it and alive forever and with us for all eternity. No religion, no philosopher, politician, etc., even claims that their founder still lives today. Except maybe Elvis. That may be the only exception, all right? But Jesus is not dead. He is alive. And if he is alive, he reigns and he rules. He still works miracles. He still teaches today. He still changes hearts. And he's still with us. In fact, that's his promise as we see in the next section. I am with you always to the end of the age. Yes, of course, Jesus is bodily present in heaven, but his spirit is present with us until the day of his return. I think for the Marys here, it wasn't so much about his words. It was about his very presence with them that gave them comfort and gave them hope. What does it all mean? It means that it's true. Jesus' life and his promises and the hope that he gives us of eternal life is true. I might be getting a lot wrong about this life. (laughs) But I got this one right. I'm following Jesus and his promise is that there is a resurrection to come with all who are united to him. It's already started. Death is defeated and new creation has begun and it ends with us all with him in glory. Life has an ultimate story to it. There's an adventure. We're not just here without any purpose or meaning. The author of life has put us here for a reason. And we as his characters matter. And as we learn here, friends, in the resurrection, the story is not a tragedy. Actually, it's a romance. And in the end, the lover wins his beloved with him forever. What does Easter mean? 
It means that darkness hasn't won. Death is not the end. The world is not hopeless. Despair is not the answer. Life does have meaning. Suffering will end. Jesus is true. Atonement is finished. Heaven is real. Resurrection is coming. New creation has begun. And love will triumph. Would you pray with me? Gracious God, as we, your people, celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, as Christians who follow you, fill us, Lord, with hope. Lord, this is a day, this is a time which there's a lot of despair, there's a lot of pain, there's a lot of people hurting. Fill us with true and real hope. A hope that goes beyond the circumstances of our life, which come and go and change daily but a hope that's based solidly on Christ that will end with us, with him, forever. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.